Women in Confidence community, strap yourselves in for episode 39. So prepare yourself for a high energy conversation with my guest, Annie P. Ruggles. Now, Annie is a fast talking, straight shooting expert on selling, pricing and creating genuine connections with people as part of selling with confidence. So this episode from Annie is full of tips, hints and lots and lots of great advice on how to sell. So if you are involved in some way in selling to people, and most of us are or will be in our careers, then this episode is a must for you. Now, Annie has so much to share with us from her background in musical theatre, a marketing manager. She's a podcaster. So, you know, lovely to meet another podcaster. She's an author, a strategist, and she also has a an academy called the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. So, Annie, it's so lovely to have you on the show. Annie, hello and welcome to Women in Confidence. Thank you very much for joining me today. It is a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So as always with my guests from North America, we are days apart and <laughs> I am I'm Tuesday morning and you must be Monday evening. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how's, how's Monday evening looking? I can tell you what mine was like. But you how's know, your... it was a lovely Monday. It was. I get to end it with you. Oh, sweet. <laughs> And then I get to wake up and have my very own Tuesday morning tomorrow. So well, Tuesday's looking good. I can tell you that it's sunny. Yes. So that's good. So we should yeah. absolutely get on with this because I know we could chat a lot because we've met previously. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start by asking you where you are, actually, because that is important because I think you're Chicago. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Dab smack in the middle of the US. Yep. So, yeah, as I said already, like, you know, miles apart and hours apart. we're here to talk about confidence and I know you've got an awful lot to talk about and particularly in your niche around selling and I know that's a space there many women struggle around the confidence to sell but you have a very particular angle to that and particular way of overcoming some of that so we'll come on to that in a moment but I just want to ask you to get the conversation warmed up is what does having confidence mean to you? For me in my own life it has been the ability to show up as myself deliberately, but in a decreasingly intentional way. Like, I know that that sounds weird, but what I mean is if I'm showing up as myself fully or close to fully as if by magic, right? It doesn't feel effortful. Then I know I'm showing up confidently. And do you remember a time when you didn't show up confidently or where you weren't yourself? Do I remember a time I didn't show up confidently? Yes. It's called 1996 through 2000 and I don't know, 12. I I mean, there was a whole lot of time where I didn't feel confident. And, and even when I did show up as myself, I showed up with as myself with work, or I showed up as myself with armor or walls or quirks or tricks or, you know, some protective coding um, to spare me from all the things that rob me of confidence. And that's because I wasn't actually confident. I was kind of appearing confident. I really like what you said about appearing with walls or mm-hmm. sort of like protective coding. I think you said, but or protective clothing. Yeah. It doesn't really matter because 
that hasn't actually been mentioned by any of my guests that actually we do put up an armor to protect ourselves. Do you know what that, or can you remember what that show that was like for you and how would other people know that you were putting up an armor? Well, you know, what's really interesting is that because we can develop and evolve some things that were formed kind of maladaptively necessarily as a kid or when I was just doing my best to, you know, survive as a kid in the world uh, and figure out who the heck I am. I I think some of the weird stuff I chose has stuck and become me, right? And so one of the things that I hear all the time is I identify as a loud introvert and people want to fight me on that constantly oh there's no such thing as a loud introvert you're an ambivert you're an extrovert you just don't have much willpower (laughs) okay first and foremost i confidently choose to identify myself however the heck i want to and i identify as a loud introvert but when i was younger uh because i also have obsessive compulsive disorder and i've had a lot of anxiety in my life when i was younger as a very anxious kid what I would do to kind of put my porcupine quills up is I would just get really loud, right? So I was like two feet tall. I was always the shortest kid in class, like always, always the tiniest of tinies. And I got picked on a lot. I got bullied a lot. And the response to that was just, hey, ah! I'm an only <laughs> child, right? I'm in rooms with all adults. I need something. My needs aren't being met. What do I do? Right. And so over time, I realized that volume and attention and attention and presence were kind of synonymous in my brain. Right. Like if you want attention, if you want focus, if you want to get something done, you have to get loud. I adopted that because I wasn't feeling confident. But as the years gone by, I've learned to own my volume and i've also earned the right to tell people when i don't want to be loud okay i'm done being loud going back to bed right but now confidence applied is the confident ability that i can to take up space and be loud with strategy or just because i want to and then also to hold the you know same space to turn around on a dime and get quiet again does that make sense yeah it does and i i also i'm a real believe that we we give each other titles or or mm-hmm. labels such as you're an ambivert you're not you know whatever yeah. uh you know you and i i have a bit of a rejection to that i don't know i have a like a physical <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know people say i'm an extrovert and i'm like i don't know i'm just who i am does it matter yeah. where i am on a does scale of one matter? to ten yes does it matter it doesn't. It makes no difference, does it, in life? But I think this apl- application of labels is is easier for people in many ways. I don't know. I, yes. I just have a, a physical reaction to being told I'm this or I'm that. You know, this, right. let me apply my own labels and let's be, you know, done with it all. Right. Well, let's get back to, you said you had this period between about 2006, I think, and then about <laughs> 2012. What happened to stop all that and to, um, to move through your lack of confidence to where you are now i don't think i ever saw myself as a particularly resilient person and i didn't really have to be i was a affluent white middle class you know privileged sheltered kid 
Not that I didn't have stuff happen to me. Of course I did. Right. But if you ask me, like, what have you endured in your life, young person? The answer was nothing. Right. Other than like the standard cost of living and and having a mental illness. Okay. Bullying. Okay. Not that those things don't suck. They Mm -hmm. suck, but they suck for everybody. I'm not special in that. Right. But what changed for me was some really hard stuff happened. And I rose to the occasion of handling it. And in doing so, proved to myself with time spent picking myself off multiple kitchen floors and rock bottoms that I would have to become more resilient if I wasn't already. And then it got to the point where I looked back on my life and went, I got myself through that. Mm -hmm. I had support. I had help. Right. I had good teachers. I had good friends. I had whatever I had. I was hydrated, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm still alive and healthy and killing it in my business because of me. And I have to give myself credit for that. So rising to the occasion of life and then allowing myself to celebrate the milestones and the molehills along the way have felt really good. And then each of those combined as a casserole become confidence for me. I don't think people really do spend the time and certainly maybe it's because the space I'm in and I coach women through this, but I don't think the women that I come across really spend the time celebrating. You know, they, they don't say, actually, this is all mine. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely, I know I'll acknowledge the friends, the family, the yeah. mentors, all that sort of thing. But it's all about me. And I did this. And I think I'm going through some of that now. I've almost go through these like two year cycles of reflection and then growth and reflection of growth. And I'm just going through this now thinking, actually, I can achieve. I've done it before. I'm self, everything I want comes to me because I, I do it, not mm-hmm. anybody else. If anybody, mm-hmm. if anything else, people get in the way of, of what I want to do. So thank you for reinforcing that, that it is about you and your resilience and your your journey and i don't think maybe yeah. it's a female thing that women don't acknowledge themselves enough i think we're told not to i think women um men with lots of feminine energy obviously non-binary people or gender fluid people like i think there's a whole lot of that if you have intense feminine energy regardless of gender you've probably been told to sit there and be pretty a whole lot right like if not pretty if you if you didn't get the sit and pretty mandate you probably got the like sit and people please Mm. mandate right like take up space when spoken to if spoken to sometimes you're not you know you are an ornament or a contributor or a cog and that's the way that it should be so just take up your appointed amount of space right and and that's from me as a white woman i've heard horror stories about how understandably amplified this is for people of color especially women of color right like literally conditioned from birth to move out of the way on sidewalks that's what we're talking about when we're talking about not taking up space right Mm -hmm. and to go from that mentality into self-employment to go from that mentality into 
constant exposure by putting yourself out there on the internet, whether you're a thought leader or even in a corporate environment, if you're climbing a ladder, you're exposing yourself. Really, you're saying, look, I am upwardly moving. That makes you a target in some environments, but it also makes you resilient in those targets. And by the time you keep climbing every rung, you get more of that, look at me, I'm doing it anyway energy, right? And that's why it's so important to celebrate every single rung on that ladder because you're totally right. I start all of my non-slazy sales academy group calls, all of them, we do three calls a week. I start every single one with celebrations. My clients hate this, hate it, they act <laughs> Every single, they're either with me for three months or a year, three calls a week. Okay. I've been doing this since the dawn of time. I do this at the open house. It is not surprising. They come in, I go, what are you celebrating today? Very first question I ask everybody and they go, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I said, okay. Same time. I'm like, okay, cool. Nice pity party you just threw for yourself. What are you celebrating today? I'm just going to keep asking you until you come <laughs> up with something. Because believe me, if I started that call going, what's hard in your business this week, you would have a list taller than me. But instead, we got to turn the attention. And it might be an energy thing. It might be a law of attraction thing. Those aren't my lane. I don't know. But I do know that running a business and staying confident within that business requires you to focus on what you want and not what you don't want and do more of the things that are working and less of the things that aren't working. How can we know what that is if we're not taking time to put weight on it? Well, let's talk about your non-sleazy way to sell and your sales mm -hmm. academy, because that is one of the reasons why I really wanted you on, because your approach to selling and how you help your clients form relationships and perhaps take the sort of, I don't know, some of the history and some of the thoughts around selling out of it and make it very mm -hmm. human, uh, a human-based interaction in many ways. So tell me about the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and we'll, talk, we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes. I never... Ever, 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 ever expected to teach sales because I thought I hated sales. I had the, the stigma of selling was rich and alive within me, hardcore, because I looked at my work so freaking passionately and I looked at my clients so freaking lovingly and I was unwilling to budge on any of those things. And in my mind, my perception of selling was the opposite of that love, that care, right? So I couldn't rectify the kind of service that I wanted to give with the kind of selling that I had been taught. Turns out there's a whole bunch of other ways to sell. I teach a lot of them. There are other good people out here teaching ethical sales, but what was most important for me and works so well with what we're talking about today is I had to learn who I am when I sell and not put on a mask or a methodology that is not of me. So the non sleazy Sales Academy's mission is to empower Vanessa to sell as Vanessa not as an Annie clone, not as a Grant Cardone clone, right? Not as 
any of those things. Grant Cardone is great, but he's got a very distinct personality that for a lot of women, for example, are like, I can't come off with that much swagger. You don't <laughs> have to. Right. You don't have to. And another thing that the non-sleazy sales academy does is we look at those roles that you're already playing in your life, especially with women. And we say peacekeeping in families is sales. Marriage is sales. Parenting is constant selling. Constant. Right. Getting an aging parent to take medication they don't want to take is sales. Right. But we don't look at those things. And we also don't look at the times in our lives that we were sold too beautifully. We call those things customer service. Right. So the non sleazy sales academy works with you to figure out what roles you're already selling in. Take the personality from those roles, polish them by telling you what to say, how to say it and how to handle objections. Right. And then from there, we build confidence through repetition and through the fact that you don't have to dip into anything that feels unnatural to you. It may be uncomfortable, but not unnatural, because I would argue to your audience, if I'm forcing you to do something that feels unnatural, there's no way I can be confident in that. Mm -hmm. But we can learn confidence in the uncomfortable, right? Uncomfortable is a spectrum. Unnatural is a switch. Yeah. If, if we're feeling if we're feeling an out of body ick experience, there's no way we're going to show up confidently. Well, let's talk about what you were saying around. Let's look at all your roles that you mm -hmm. currently perform in what you'd class as your everyday life and then yep. learn from that and convert that into. Well, not convert it, but just take what you already can do mm -hmm. and you do subconsciously without even effort and make that into sales. How how do you get your clients to really start to understand? Oh yeah, okay. Well, I am a a mum, and I've got to get my kids out, of, you know, bed and school and all that sort of stuff. To say, okay, from there, Vanessa, you can then sell your products or your services. Yeah. How do you how do you get that moment for that client to go? Oh yeah, you know what? Annie's right. Mm -hmm. I do all this so naturally. My definition of selling is problem solving for money. So if we're looking for that role in your life, who relies on you to solve their problems? And what problems do they rely on you to solve? My kids got to get up in the morning. They got to get to school on time. Why is that a problem? Because my kids love sleep. Why is that a bigger problem? Because if they don't get the bus, I have to cancel my morning meeting, piss off my client in order to you know handle the fact that my kid my kid didn't go to school okay well then in that aspect you are being motivational persuasive and if need so if need be forceful for someone's own good not forceful because you're the only decider but forceful because both of you will lose if that bus doesn't get caught right that who relies on you to solve their problems your parents your kids your coworkers, right your spouse your partner your best friend what roles do you play in your job maybe it's your boss right my boss is constantly coming to me to ask me how to prioritize my day and his day how am i supposed to know but i sit there and i help him understand what's important okay Cool. That's called discernment. That's a sales technique, right? So if you're babying your boss or managing your kids or any combination thereof, 
look at the problems you're solving. My boss is unorganized. I am organized. Who am I as a salesperson? I'm the grounding organizational force that comes in to make someone feel like their chaos is manageable. Who am I as a salesperson? I am an aggressively loving mother who has stuff to do. Okay, so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go in, I'm not gonna waste the client's time. I'm gonna pretend like we both have a bus to catch. I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna listen to questions, I'm gonna motivate them and I'm gonna get out of there, right? I am an aggressively loving and motivating force. Okay, bring that into your selling, right? But it's always, everybody that has sales avoidance is an over-deliverer, either in life or business or both. So who relies on you over-delivering? And when those relationships are positive and healthy and not toxic and demanding, because we don't want to reiterate, okay, well, my husband is a real jerk. And this is this is a fictional example. My <laughs> husband is a hobbit and he's lovely. Okay, fictional example. But like, you know, my husband is a jerk. And so I have to do everything to calm him down. So I'm constantly peacekeeping. Okay, so I guess my sales strategy is I'm a peacekeeper. Um, no, that's in time of war. We need to know where you are in time of success and rest, right? But you solve a million problems every day. How? So for me, selling comes, what comes up for me, and I've spoken to a number of people around selling and how they approach it, is because ultimately there's a there's some money involved in it. And there's a cost and a fee, and we're going to have to talk dollars or pounds or whatever currency people um, are listening, operating. What puts people off having that conversation about money? You know, my fees are X. This is mm-hmm. what I'm going to charge you. This is my package price. So they've got all the the conversations and the relationships, and they'll they might even enjoy that part of it because mm-hmm. it's just a natural part of who they are. What stops people going, okay, this is my price and this is what I want for my services or my products. I think a lot of people have relationally, situationally, even evolutionarily or genetically an issue with money, right? We've all inherited somebody else's money baggage a gajillion times over. And if we haven't, We've still heard other people say, oh, you shouldn't talk about money. Oh, money is a tough subject, right? So if it's not a tough subject for you, you've still heard a whole bunch. It's a tough subject for other people. So if one of two things happens, we either go in awkward and careful and in doing so rob ourselves of confidence, seemingly, right? Or we project our money stuff onto the prospect in order to try to bond together by making ourselves feel awkward about the money so that they don't. It's really weird and it sounds ridiculous to hear it play out, but I've heard it so many times, right? And it's because money has emotion and neural pathways and in a lot of cases, trauma attached. And so what happens in the brain when you bring up pricing in some people or when you bring up math in some people or dollars in some people is the brain gets a little agitated. And it's okay if you, the seller, get a little agitated, there's work that you can do, there's grounding you can do to say, listen, my money issues, are not my prospects business. I'm not gonna project or vomit them all over them. 
right? That we can do. That's a mindset piece. But also on the strategy side of things, if you know that talking about money can be triggering for people, then that's why you spend a whole call up into that point or a whole sales page up into that point, handling their objections, making them feel seen, safe and supported and earning the right to talk about money. Right? Because anything can be triggering. If I sneezed right now, the noise of it could be triggering for someone. I don't say that to be dismissive, Mm -hmm. but I would hope that because we've been talking for a half hour, if I sneeze right now, the listener would forgive me. (laughs) Similarly, if I've been listening to you for 45 minutes, I've been asking you questions, I've been guiding you along a process, I've been helping you see or get results in those quick wins, And I've really, truly been listening because selling is truly the art of listening. If I've really, truly been listening and encouraging and educating and helping throughout this call, and then I decide you and I are a fit, what I'm going to say is I believe we are a fit. And here's why. Because you said boobity-boo, boobity-boo, and boobity-boo, right? I'm feeding you back to you so that you understand I've been listening. They're already, your nervous system is going, ah, I am heard, I am safe. This is scary, this is uncomfortable, this is not unnatural, and I have someone I can trust here. When you get them into that state through non-sleazy selling, it's the exact opposite of someone who wants them to be in that riled up, frizzed out state so that they just go, sure, okay, fine, here, have my money. What if we could do the exact opposite? We can, we do every day right? Let's calm them down into rationally making the decision that is right for them. Let's calm them down so they can decide confidently. You just reminded me of a situation where I was at the vets last week with my dog uh-huh. and she was talking at me, da, 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 I don't know, worming and God knows, I don't even know. And I just said to her, I actually don't know what you want me to say because yeah. my stress levels were massive. I'm like, does she want me to, I mean, this is so silly, but like the worming and the flea and the tick. And I was like, my mind was totally blown. And I was only at the vets. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll, I'll buy the $90 worming thing because I just want you to shut up. It's exactly. Like exactly. Yeah. Right. And so here's the thing, you being at the vet and dealing with a sick fur baby mm. is a stressful situation. Yeah. Most of us as problem solvers deal with stressful situations. If someone's coming to you for confidence coaching, it means they're in a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. right? We're not saying don't talk about the pain. We're not saying that that vet tech should have been like, la la la, the baby (laughs) is fine. Everything's okay, give me $99. Like we're not saying that either, but what that vet tech could have done was lowered their pace, slowed their pace, lowered their tone, understood that you are in a hyper aroused state where decision making is challenging due to the overwhelm of emotion that has flooded your system with cortisol and adrenaline and asked you, I have a whole lot of information to relate to you 
and I know that this is probably really hard and stressful for you right now, what's the best way for me to relate this information to you? Would you like to see it written down? I could print you out a receipt. Do you want to do it one at a time? How can we get this across right now? That's what we have the opportunity to do in selling all the time. It's not about saying, oh, don't even mention deworming. That's going to stress her out. It's like, look, we got to talk about deworming. It's stressful and it's expensive, but I'm here with you and we're going to get through this together. So I'm just going to dump these things at you. And then if you, if I start to stress you out even more, I want you to throw your hands up and say, stop talking, Annie, and I won't get offended. We'll just take a deep breath and we'll start again slower. I do this on sales calls all the time. It's not easy to tell a total stranger that your business is struggling. Not everybody that comes to me is in dire straits, but some people are. And especially if they're terrified that whatever amount of money I tell them at the end of the thing is going to be something they can't afford, which is also why I put my prices on my website. But that's a different rant for a different day. Right. But we can we can deal with the fact that money conversations do rob people of confidence just by being aware, open and compassionate in that aspect and sharing our confidence with the prospect in that moment, right? I know that this is challenging, but here's why I think it's the right idea for you. Double down, right? I know that it's totally expensive and not what you were expecting today. I know that you didn't also expect that the dog would have fleas. Here are some ways that we can break this down, make that work, right? It's a, it's a call for connection. It's a call for confidence sharing. I want to talk about something you raised a while ago around, you talked about like a sales page, for example. So, you know, we, we, there's very much the face-to-face selling uh, or Zoom now or Teams or whatever, um, because we're not allowed <laughs> near each other. And, and that is the sort of traditional view of selling, but you're so right. Mm-hmm. There's the online sales yep. page and the sales funnel where you might never actually meet that person face-to-face it will just be an interaction online and that is something that's huge as a business now I mean do you help people with with that to say this is a a sales funnel but it's still a sales um technique do you I mean do you help people with that there's still someone reading it there's still someone consuming it right and so you can still employ relationship building principles because you're still building a relationship. It's just more like having a pen pal than having a date, right? You got to nurture it a little bit differently. So in sales correspondence, match the formality of who you're talking to, right? So you and I have had a pre-chat. I got on today and I didn't try to go, oh, so nice to see you again, Vanessa, (laughs) right? Because you know me and you know what to expect from me. So I came into this like, hey, girl, what's up? Because that's me, right? Because that's me. Now, if I were pitching to, you know, some huge bank, I probably wouldn't lead in with like, what up, my people at Chase Bank? Like, I'm not going to do that. Right. But if I've also just had a very vulnerable conversation with someone where they told me the state of their business, I'm not going to turn around and write them a note that's like, dear, dear, you know, dear Ms. Murphy, comma, thank you again for your time today. I found it very enlightening. You'd be like, (laughs) who the heck is this? Right. So one thing we can do right away in our written correspondence is 
use the formality of the relationship. And if you don't know, go in neutral, then match the formality you get back, right? That right there is going to build warmth where you can build warmth. And there's no need if you're self-employed to send stuffy transactional emails, if you could add a little flavor to them, if it's appropriate for your work, right? But especially if you're dealing with a high pain point situation, that's going to get that warmth going. Now on a sales page, the person at the top of the sales page needs to be a different person at the bottom of the sales page because at the top of the page, they haven't bought anything. And at the bottom of the page, they are deciding to click buy. How do we get or or equally valuable at the bottom of the page? They're saying, get me the heck out of here. <laughs> also relevant, right? They're self-selecting out. Now, how do we do that? In order for people to make decisions, they have to have their questions answered. They have to feel like they've been heard, which is also a form of having their questions answered, but beyond that, they need to feel seen, right? And they need to have their details needs met. So, you know, they're probably going to need to know if you're buying an online course, how many modules are in it? How many times does the class meet, right? If you're buying a cupcake, does it have gluten in it? I kind of need to know these things, right? But on the emotional side too, I'm going to need to feel motivated. I'm going to need to feel supported and I'm going to need to feel like the risk aversion that naturally rises up when we go to change things and especially pay for change, that that risk averse feeling has to take a back seat to the confidence that this is the right choice for them. Now, how do we do that? FAQs. Y'all, if your sales page does not have an FAQ on it, please put one, please put one. And don't just answer the question in a boring way. This is another really great place where you can show understanding of the people you're talking to, right? FAQ, how often do we meet? Okay, that's one way to pose the question. But if you specialize in working with busy, frantic moms, right? Like I have two minutes before Junior pukes on me again. Remind me, what time are classes? We understand that you're super busy. All of our classes are drop-in between this hour and this hour, plus everything's recorded so you can take it on the go. Cool, that handles the objection of, I'm too busy a mom for this program for busy moms, right? <laughs> because that's gonna happen. So an FAQ goes a long way. A product tour, uh, even if, again, if it's ingredients of a cupcake, awesome. If it's modules of a program, awesome. People wanna know what they're buying. And then I want you to put your prices on it. I want you to put your price on your sales page. And why? Because if we don't see prices on something, it robs us of confidence. It makes us assume because of the beautiful, weird way brains are wired that we are not going to be able to rise to the occasion of that thing unless we happen to have extreme financial confidence, right? Unless I'm like, I have so much money to throw at this thing, it doesn't even matter. They could say $6 million and I'd be like, I'll give you five, but that's just because I want to haggle, right? Like, that's fine if you're in that place, awesome for you. But if you go to a restaurant and you're trying to impress a prospect and you go and you look at your bank account and it's not even close to what you thought it was, and then they hand you a menu with no prices on it, you're going to start panicking that you can't even afford a side salad, plus you have a prospect to help, right? 
if they at least said the side salad $17, you can go, dang, $17 for a side salad. Okay, I'm going to need to move some money around and maybe just have some Diet Coke, right? <laughs> like, at least we know what we're up against. Or even better, if the prices are on the website for that restaurant, we would look at them ahead of time and go, do I really want to take my prospect or do I really need to take my prospect to a place with a $17 side salad? Probably not. You are so right about prices on a website. So I was looking at a course recently and oh, the sales funnel was just so irritating, but there's no price anywhere. And the only way you can find the price is by let's have a 15 minute call. And I just, that immediately is me. I'm shutting that down because I I don't have the time. I can't be bothered to talk to somebody. Just tell me what your price is and then I can make a decision and we can cut out all the bullshit of what? Yeah. Uh, why would they do that to themselves? Because the majority of people that actually get on the call are a stressed out about money from the jump. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I had to get on a call just to find out how much the thing costs. That doesn't make it feel exclusive or luxurious. It makes it feel inaccessible. Mm. It makes it feel like work, number one, or exclusive to a detriment. Right. But additionally then the person working that call has to spend the whole time telling them how much it costs and getting around financial objections where some of those people may not be qualified leads at all and now they're hogging your calendar whereas if you just say engagements begin at 1250 pounds then i either know okay i really only wanted to spend a thousand pounds so maybe I'll get on and see why they think it's worth the 250 or if that's negotiable. Or I go, oh, wow, that is not at all what I was expecting to spend. One of two things. Either I thought it was going to be a hell of a lot more. Heck yeah, I'm getting on that phone call. Or that's a lot more than I was expecting. I'm not going to book the call right now, but I do really believe that this is interesting. So I'm going to follow them on all their social, absorb all of their free content and save up so that eventually, hopefully I can hire this person, which is why in services, a whole lot of us have bicycles that are like a year long because mm -hmm. we state our prices. So people know to save up. <sighs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm very passionately <laughs> no, I'm very I passionate know. about writing. And that is why I really want you on, because to talk about this stuff and let's let's be honest about it. Let's cut out all the BS. You know, it's and you've given some amazing tips there around even just on your website and, and also just being just telling people what you're charging. Like, what yes. is the big secret here, folks? Tell me how much Same it thing costs. With fine print. I see fine print. I assume I'm being lied to, you know? If I see a price and then under the price, there's like little itty bitty italics. I'm like somewhere in that little bitty italics is a reason for me not to buy this thing. I'm not saying don't put your disclaimers. I'm not saying don't put your code of conduct. I'm saying if you say violators of the code of conduct will be terminated immediately, then don't put that in the fine print. If it's that important to you, you know, if you're intellectual property or whatever you're defending, the, the responsible nature of your community or whatever you're defending, is that important to you that someone could be removed from your program? Then I think that's a bragging point. Right? I fiercely mama bear protect this community and violations of the code of conduct will not be tolerated. Cool. Awesome. It's $39 for the first month and then you enroll at 89. Okay. Say you enroll at 89, 
with the same font right next to first month 39 next month 89 awesome because then i'm not going to spend the next month of my life dealing with people that are real pissed that they spent 50 bucks they weren't expecting mm. because i told them up front it goes up to 89 in a month you've raised a good point about even just increasing prices so you know people start maybe with their business and they let's just say a thousand dollars an hour mm-hmm. let's just say totally random but then they realize, you know, they're actually in demand. They deliver a lot of value, uh, whatever the reasons. They're like, you know what? I'm going to charge 1500 because that is what I'm worth. Good for but, you. I mean, good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's easy, I guess, for me to talk about that in this conversation. But to do it mm-hmm. can cause a whole, again, bodily reactions, mm-hmm. you know, blockages, all that sort of thing. So what do you, how do you advise people who are like, who do want to increase their prices because it's what their value is. You do not need to announce rate increases to anyone other than affected current clients and your referral partners. Mm. That's it. That's it. Right. Part of it is like, how is this going to be received? Okay. Well, how is it going to be received by whom? Because the majority of people you're afraid of how they're going to receive it. Don't know what your old prices were. So they're not going to care what your new prices are until they need you and then need to see your prices, right? I think sometimes we have this idea because we all show up so visibly and try to be so consistent. We have this idea that every single person that's ever followed us from the advent of our email list has like charted at at 1 p.m., in the year of our Lord 2022, Vanessa raised her prices by 13%. No one is paying that close of attention. Now, ethically, morally, and responsibly, if I'm raising a rate on an existing client, then the way that I do that is transparently and with consent, right? So you go to them and you say, hey, listen, I love working with you. You love working with me. Together, we've accomplished boobity, 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 boo. Don't apologize for raising your prices. Raising your prices is part of your business. You don't have to go in and go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to do this to you, but I'm raising my prices at the end of the year. You just state it like any other fact. Today it's raining, (laughs) right? I just ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay, at the end of August, well, okay, at point of recording, it's August 22nd. So I would give them a little bit more space, right? So like, you know, September 15th, give them a good three weeks or a month if you're on monthly recurring, I'm raising my rate by about 10%. People can accept about a 10%. That's a cost of living increase, right? Now, if it's more than that, because you're adding value, then you just explain the value you're adding. I'm so excited that now, because of all of the things, I can include this whole new additional program. And that's part of the reason why I'm going from this price to 20, 30% more, right? Mm -hmm. 10% annual increase, raise increase, inflation hike, whatever it is, you don't have to apologize for it. You also don't have to explain it, but you can just go to them honestly, transparently and say, hey, this is my rate. How does that land on you? And if they go, I love working with you, but I've been thinking about graduating and that rate is really not good for me. So I think I'm going to take a pause. Okay, that's the worst thing you're going to hear. The worst, right? The best thing you're going to hear is, okay fine you're worth it and i have it so let's do it the majority of the time what you're going to hear is a very honest okay i'll make that work 
and then they do. And then you exceed their expectations. And then they air quotes, forgive you for raising your prices, Mm. right? But everybody raises their prices. The Dollar Tree, a very famous dollar store here in the US, now everything's a buck 25. Dollar is in their name. (laughs) But prices go up, right? (laughs) I feel bad for anybody that's called 99 cents or less, but Dollar Tree, they're like, yeah, it's still sort of a dollar. It's in the ballpark. Right, right. And so that's the other thing is, and the other thing is your referral partners and most of your referral partners, be it returning clients or peers, are gonna probably say, I told you you were undercharging. Thank goodness you finally did this. The first time I raised my rates, I was terrified. Terrified, scared out of my brainstem. And I told two people, a brand new client, and just fell out of my mouth and they were like, okay. Just like the previous price point. And I went, did I really just say that number? And they went, yeah, okay, here you go. (laughs) Or, or what happened to me with my existing client is they went, oh my God, thank you. I was feeling kind of embarrassed about how little I was paying you. I was hiding from them, scared to raise my price on them. Remember, people that under deliver do not stress about raising their prices. Only people that care, only people that over deliver stress about raising their prices. So you know your client's going to be fine because you're going to take amazing care of them. So in the majority of the time, they're either going to go, dang, that doesn't work. We're too far apart. I guess I got to graduate. Or they're going to go, dang, that's tough, but you're worth every dime. Or they're going to go, okay, great. Good for (laughs) you. Business must be good. I knew you'd be in demand soon. We don't know unless we ask, right? But everybody else's pricing opinion is an opinion. Absolutely. If they're not bringing money into your business, you don't need their opinion on your pricing. Right. I mean, I'm not going to tell my mailing list I'm raising my prices. I'm not. They don't need to know. If they if they wanted to know my prices or were interested in my prices, they'd be further down my funnel, right? They'd be closer to that price point. And then I'd be like, ah, the price point I quoted them is no longer correct. Now they're an affected prospect. Mm. But if they're not an affected prospect or an affected re-enrolling client, then they're a lead and leads don't need to know the prices. But if you raise your prices, remember to go to your website where your prices are and update the pricing on your website, <laughs> please. So one thing I've definitely taken away is um, FAQs. They're absolutely essential on your website. But yeah. also, let's just be honest about our pricing. Let's just get them out there. Let's not hide. Let's not create anything that's sort of subterfuge or, you know, you have to, I don't know, climb mountains just to find out the price of something. So, you know, listeners take what Annie has said and make sure you're really open about your prices because it just creates honesty, trust, a better relationship, and people will self-select. They'll either select you. How do you show up confidently if you hide? Yeah. You can't. And how can, if you're not showing up confidently, the buyer can't show up confidently. So solution, heal your relationship with your math, raise your prices to what you feel like you're worth, do some competitive advantages so you can back that up. And then just state it plainly so that at least you look confident while you're learning to be confident. So Annie, we haven't even spoken about the fact that you're an author, you're a speaker, 
and <laughs> a fellow podcaster, which is lovely. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to make this work because we've probably got about five minutes. So I'm also okay, going to say, right, well, let's book, book version two, but let's just talk about your podcast because I'm so curious yeah. about other people's podcasts. And it's called Too Legitimate to Quit. Is that correct? Correct. How did that name come about? Because I'm really curious. I didn't want MC Hammer to sue me. That's how that name came about. I uh, I really, really, really wanted to use a derivative of too legit to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I looked around and I was like, are there podcasts called this? It's like, yeah, okay, there's a couple or like sort of near it or whatever. There's like a too legit show. There's a tool legit mm-hmm. show, which is like for tools. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but then I, I wanted something clear and then I was like, but I wanted to be like legitimate. And, and as most of my titles, I was looking way too challengingly at something that was obvious. I was like, I want businesses to feel legitimate. I want them to feel too legitimate to quit. What am I going to call this thing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, plus advantage. I'm not stealing intellectual property this way. So, And what's the main theme or the purpose of the podcast? Mm-hmm. So it is a fun, high energy, still actionable, homework delivering business podcast, all about business growth, either mindset or strategy, often both. But then I get people to uh, find a business or marketing or sales lesson in a piece of pop culture that they love. So that not only do I get my guest fired up about their area of expertise, we also get to see that apply over to an area of fandom or or pop culture worship, which is really fun. And then I force them to marry those two worlds. So we have a really good time. If anybody's listening to this podcast, they're obviously on the podcast vibe. And please, mm-hmm. please, please go and check out Annie's uh, podcast as well. And I'll put all those sh- uh, details in the show notes anyway, so people can just click on those links and get to you. And also, Annie, could you just tell us what your uh, website is? And then again, I can yeah. direct people to it. So the podcast website is toolegitimate.com or toolegitimatetoquit.com. And my website, easy to find, is anniepruggles.com. If you go to anniepruggles.com, you can find all my work, including the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and the podcast and more. And it's a beautiful, colorful website. It's so, it's very reflective of your personality. It's, it's not, I mean, this sound, I don't want to sound rude, but it's like, it's there, it's out there, it's confident, yeah. it's bold. Yeah, it's loud. And you yourself called yourself a loud introvert. I'd say your yep. podcast, your website is a very good reflection of you. Well, yeah, Annie, it is loud. It's a very loud website. <laughs> it's, I don't know who designed it or you designed it yourself, but it's um, it's beautiful and colourful and there's stuff on there that visually is very stimulating. So it's great. Yeah. Well, here's a celebration, y'all. I'll show you how to do it. I am so confident in that website and I designed it myself and it took years and years for me to build the confidence to build my own website. But I got there by just doing the dang thing. Mm. Yeah. And that's a whole new uh, conversation is Mm -hmm. lacking confidence, but just do it. And maybe we'll come back. We should come back and talk about all the other things on my list that we haven't had the chance to get to right now. But Annie, I'm going to have to close this, this conversation down and we'll do a part two at some point. So thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing so much. When I listen back to this whilst I'm editing it, I'll be like, oh my gosh, Annie has shared so much. I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks for letting me talk confidence.